Father, we come right now we, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for that name which is above every name in heaven, on earth, under the earth. We thank you that that name uh, is above all things and all beings. And we come to you in his name. We thank you for Jesus. We declare that he is our Lord. We thank you that you lead us and that you guide us, that you uh, didn't leave us and leave us alone, that you sent Jesus to us uh, to bring us out of darkness and captivity and to bring us into your family of light and freedom. Father, we thank you for loving us with the same love that you love your son Jesus with, that you've made us your sons and your daughters by our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you tonight as we approach your word that uh, it's not something that I'm going to say or that uh, one of our friends are going to say, but Father, it's you speaking through us. It's you opening your word making your word real to us, making it practical in our everyday life. Thank you that the gospel is the most practical substance in the world. It's the most real substance in the world. Thank you, Father, that you, your words bring us life, understanding. They give us um, a light for our path so we know the right way to go. And Father, I thank you for your spirit that he lives on the inside of us, that he teaches us, leads us, and guides us. And we trust him tonight for every single one of us, uh, that we wouldn't just be hearing the word, but we would be doing it. And we trust that he would show us the things that we need to see and say the things to us that need to be said. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I'm so glad that we can be together again. And, um, you know, uh, according to some of the predictions, it might be for a little while. But either way, you know, we broadcast at least our Sunday ones online at any rate. And we're doing some other media uh, ministry stuff uh, that we're kind of starting to record and and acquire anyhow. So either way, whether we're back together in person or we're doing this, we are together and uh, we get to worship the Lord together. And, um, you know, I've been telling a a lot of different people, you know, you know, a spirit of faith will make you grab a cornstalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. I like how Pastor Mark Hankin says it. And uh, in other words, you know, the devil and just unrenewed flesh and unrenewed mind will throw a lot of things at you. And uh, if you can only live a successful Christian life when everything's going perfect, when you expect everything and you know the plan, how everything's going to unfold, uh, you won't be successful at living the Christian life. Uh, Our life, to live a successful life, a fulfilling life, has to be reliant upon God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So our life, if it's going to be pleasing to the Lord, is going to be lived by faith. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, without relying upon God in your life, it is impossible to please him or to be well-pleasing to him, one translation says. So uh, we get to live a life of faith, and sometimes that means we just don't understand. You see that? H my nose. You're not supposed to do that. Anyhow, my nose is itching. And so we get to live our life by our reliance upon God, and that's good news. You know, uh, your flesh is not comfortable with that news because a lot of times your flesh uh, has been trained and is more accustomed to doing what it wants to do, getting its uh, desires fulfilled and pretty quickly. Uh, but that's not really the life of faith. The life of faith 
is not my will, but yours to be done. And so uh, we get to live the life of faith, and that means we get to mature and to develop spiritually, and that we don't have to, like, uh, be what I call jerks for Jesus, you know. You can actually walk in the love of God and be uh, a very pleasant person to be around and not be all uh, focused on yourself and into yourself. So before we get into the main message tonight, I want to talk to you uh, real quickly about giving and receiving. And Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, he talked about the grace of giving and receiving. And, um, you know, there's many names of God, and you find those in the Old Testament. You know, one of those names is Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that heals you. That, that's one of his names, right? And so uh, a lot of times uh, when you name a child, if you're thinking about what a name means, you, you want to have a name, you seek the Lord a lot of times, and want to have a name that represents what you believe the Lord's put in your heart about that child. And that name then is spoken over that person their entire life. And so uh, names are important. Well, how important is God's name? So he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. Thank God. But not just that. He said, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider. And so the Lord will provide for you. If you look to him, uh, you know, he has provision. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You uh, read the writings, uh, the gospel writings about Jesus, and you read about the uh, prodigal son, you know, and he said to his father, he said, Father, he's like, uh, I want my inheritance and I want it now. <laughs> I don't want to wait until you pass away. I want it now. And so the father let him have his inheritance. And he went out and he lived, a, the Bible says, like wild living and spent everything that he had and ran out of money and ended up uh, eating food with the pigs in the pig trough. And he kind of came to his senses and said, what am I doing here? My father has servants at home that eat better than this. And so he went back to the father and, you know, the father was expecting his return. And so he saw him afar off, like a, a long way off. And, you know, he got so thrilled and so excited. And he said, you know, before he even got there, he's like, I want you to kill the fatted calf, get a robe, get a ring. Uh, my son who was dead is alive again. You know, he's come back. Well, um, you know, which is an awesome example that Jesus gave us, you know, of uh, those that stray away from the kingdom and the Lord's looking for you to come back and he's not going to be mad at you. He's going to have a party and he's going to invite you and you're going to partake of all the privileges of a, of a son because you're a son or a daughter, right? A son or a daughter. And so, but the older brother is said like, he kind of got upset about it. And he's like, Lord, I've been here doing all this. And you know, you never threw a party for me. And he said, everything I have is yours. All you had to do was ask. And I think many times as sons of the kingdom, we forget all that he has is ours and that he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Why? Well, because if you're not going to live by faith in the area of finances, you're going to look for, you know, like uh, my children would look for uh, Daddy Tim, my provider, right? No, I'm not. Yes, I am responsible to provide for them, but I don't just rely upon my own resources. I look to the Lord and the, you know, I tithe and give and the Lord multiplies our seed sown. And so he is our provider and he can, uh, his blessing on uh, 
what we have left after we have sown and his multiplication of what we have sown is way beyond what we would have if we just tried to hoard it and say, you know what, and right now is not a good time to tithe. You know, maybe this is the last check because you know what they say in the world, what everything's going on, everything's going bad, you know. And um, no, not for us because why? The Lord is our provider. Now, uh, does that mean that your paycheck doesn't always, uh, always stays the same or always goes up? No, sometimes Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound in all states. I know how to be content. God will provide for you if you just look to him in faith. He'll provide for you. He watches over you. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 Jesus, talking about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, said, why do you take thought for your life? You know, like you can, your, your worry, is it going to add something to your life? No, actually your worry is going to take something away from your life. And so I encourage you today, don't worry, don't fret, uh, don't have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, in other words, you, you're putting everything into your prayer with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God will just overtake you. The peace of God will show up in your mind and in your heart and it goes beyond your mind. In fact, you'll be, have so much peace that your mind will be confused and your mind will be like, how could I have so much peace? Well, because you have turned your cares over to the Lord. That's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. But if you read down to verse 19, talking about God our provider, Jehovah Jireh, uh, the e uh, English Standard uh, Version says, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, Proverbs, uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Well, uh, if you look at your bank account and you're kind of like, well, wait a minute. My bank account says I have less than what I need. Well, your bank account ought not to be your shepherd. The Lord should be your shepherd. In other words, you know what? If the Lord has to multiply your food, the Lord will multiply your food, literally. I'm not talking just figuratively, but literally. The Lord is our provider. Don't put a limit on what God can do or how God can do it. Just have faith in God. Put your trust in God because He is our provider and He will never fail you. He will always provide. He will always take care of you. But it's a matter of us allowing him to do that. God's not a demon. And demons may try to force you to do stuff, push you into stuff. But the Lord invites you. Because why? He is love. And love does not force. Love invites. Love makes every possible benefit of the doubt. Love makes a way where it seems like there was no way. God is full of mercy. He's full of grace. And he has provision for you and for me and for us. And he will take care of us. If he, if he takes care of the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, and just dresses them up in a spectacular way, how much more, how much more does he care for you? You know, those are just here today, gone tomorrow, so to speak. But you are an eternal being. And, you know, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, you have become part of the family of God. You are his son or daughter, and he will take care of you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
for your word. We thank you that you are our provider, Jehovah Jireh, that you provide for us and you take good care of us, that you provide before we even knew there was a problem, that you made provision for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'd like to sow a seed tonight, uh, you can uh, go uh, to the giving link in the upper right-hand corner of the page. Let's see here. You see that goes left, so I have to go this way, yeah. See the upper right-hand corner of the page, and um, uh, the giving link will uh, connect you there, or you can send a text to the number 84321, put in any amount, and uh, they'll give you instructions how to uh, continue and figure out how to give electronically. You can also give um, by mailing uh, a check to P.O. Box, let's see here, (laughs) my mind went blank, P.O. Box 135, Rectortown, Virginia, 20140. That's our church mailing address. That's not where we meet. We meet in Merrifield, Virginia, when we do get to meet in person. Um, But that is our mailing address, so you can send something there if you'd like. Praise the Lord. Now's when they would sing, and then I could transition, but they're not going to sing. So, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. We'll begin with 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. And what I'm going to do is, um, I don't have my guide inside, it's down there, but, um, well, the guide inside is right here, actually. Okay, but the book is right down there. And so um, I had some, uh, a question after the service, or maybe it was during the service, I don't know, because I didn't look at my cell phone during the service last week. Uh, if you can just put it right there, thank you. And, um, you know, I know a lot of times if I have, if you have one question, then there's a lot of other people with that same question. And so I wanted to uh, start out by answering this question a little bit, and, uh, and then I'm going to minister uh, a few other things as well. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, one of my favorite scriptures uh, in all of Corinthians, it says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Now I want to read that for you in the Amplified Translation because I think it it amplifies it. What agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in and with and among them and I will walk in and with and among them I I read that wrong I will dwell in and with and among them and walk in and with and among them and I will be their, their God and they shall be my people that is good news God said I will live in you with you among you, and I will walk in you, with you, and among you. And, you know, uh, the Pharisees and the rulers of the law got so upset at Jesus because, you know, he said he was the son of God making himself equal with God. And so they're, they're like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, if you're a son of God, that means you have attributes of God. You're much like God. And uh, that really upset their uh Uh, you know, sacred cow, you could say. And so uh, they didn't like that. But God said, I'm going to live in you, with you, and among you. And so as a believer, if if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, it's not being converted. And it is not you change, just you change what you believed. 
But what happened is your spirit, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, has been made a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus kind of referred to this in um, John chapter 3 when Nicodemus was asking him. He came to him at night and said, hey, what is this? You know, how do you enter, enter heaven? And Jesus said, well, you must be born again. Uh, and he, he got confused and said, you mean I got to go back into my mother's womb and be born? <laughs> he said, no, no, no. That which, you know, you're thinking natural terms, but this is a spiritual rebirth. So your spirit is born uh, again or born from above. And um, so when you're born from above, you're recreated in Christ Jesus. And what happens is the Spirit of God Himself comes to live on the inside of you. This is one of the reasons we're doing this study, the guide inside. And so you have the guide inside the Holy Spirit. Psalm, uh, or Psalm Proverbs 20, 27 says, The Spirit of man, in other words, your spirit, is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. What does that mean? Well, that means He's going to lead you or guide you through your spirit. His spirit, communion with your spirit, talking with your spirit, will lead you and guide you. And so um, you have a guide on the inside. And so uh, our life in Christ is a relationship. It's not just a religion. Religion is like a method and you consistently do this and do that. Well, if you are in close relationship with someone and in that relationship you come into close fellowship, you're going to become more and more like them. But it actually doesn't become, um, it doesn't come because you're disciplined. Imagine, you know, like if I became more and more like Melody because I was so disciplined and I just looked at how she did what she did and I'm like, okay, when she walks, when she's tired and she walks, she walks like her dad. Right? So let me see if I can do the tired melody walk. Right? Well, when she's not tired, then she walks more like a lady. And so I said, let me see if I can try to do the lady melody walk. Well, okay, oh no, it's a little like this. Oh, she does it like this, she does it like this. No, well, what happens is my children don't do that with me, yet some of my children walk just like me. Why? Well, because they're so, uh, such a close fellowship with me, they have seen that modeled their whole life and it just comes automatically. And so our life, our Christian life, uh, is to flow out from our fellowship with God because we spend time with Him through His Word and through His presence in prayer that, that we just become more and more like Him so that what we do in life flows out of that place. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And he said, this he's speaking of is the Spirit of God. And so out of your belly as a believer will flow rivers of living water. So our, our life in Christ is, is not like you go to school and say you take a class on, um, you know, if I talk about media stuff, I have a media background, let's just say you take a class on editing, and so now you've taken the class, so you know how to edit, and so you're done. Like, you don't have to do any more classes, you can just go edit whatever you want, right? Or you learn this, you learn that. Sometimes I see people, and they'll be like, well, yeah, I, I read uh, Ephesians once, I don't need to read it again. No, the Word of God is food for your faith. Like, uh, you're going to eat natural food again and again, uh, so that your body is strong, and you're also going to exercise your body so that it's strong. Um, but you don't just eat one meal and say, okay, uh, you know, imagine 
for a second, you're going to have pecan pie and say, oh, I've done that. I don't need any more pecan pie. Or maybe cheesecake, right? Uh, you're going to eat one piece of cheesecake. Oh, I don't need to do that. What? But you like it. Let's just say you like it. Some people don't like it. I love it. So let's say you have a piece of cheesecake and you say, well, that's good. I don't need any more for the rest of my life. No, if you like it, you're not going to say that. Well, if you ever actually eat the word, uh, it'll make you so alive. It's better than any sweet thing you could come up with. It's better than any, you know, uh, cheesecake factory cheesecake. It's better than, who, uh, uh, you know, Peggy Crizel cheesecake, who is a, a lady I used to work with. Amazing cheesecake, Peggy. Wow. You know, uh, you know, you could mail some of that, but... Uh, amazing probably some of the best cheesecake I've ever had in fact it's not like you just want to have Peggy's cheesecake once like once just get you started you you get a appetite for it you, you hunger for it and so it's like the Word of God you get an appetite for the Word of God and you begin to hunger for it more and more and more somebody said well how do I get hungry for the word well eat some of it in other words, you meditate on it and chew on it and, and, and kind of get the flavor out of it and say, and how do you do that? Well, I, I always say, Lord, uh, lead me, guide me. You said your spirit would teach me, so make this real to me. I don't want this to just be some religion. I don't want this to be, just to be some thing that my head knows. I want this to penetrate into the deepest part of me, and I want to live this out in my life. I don't want to have to try to think about it. I want it to be me, right? Well, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, uh, what, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> that means a lot of things. But one of the things that it means to me is, what is God saying to you today? What is proceeding from his mouth? If you could just hear in your heart, not just your head, but in your heart, what he is saying. Uh, but proceeding from his mouth for you today, how do you think that would affect your day? How do you think that would affect your attitude? I'll tell you, you'd have the attitude of faith and hope and trust and victory. And so, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And somebody said, well, are you still answering our question from last week? Yes, I am. Okay. And so, um, uh, God said, I will dwell in and with and among you. And so he's come to live on the inside of us. And he didn't just come there to take up space. He wants to have a relationship with you where he is more real to you than your husband or wife that you may sleep in the same bed with. And if you're married, I hope you do sleep in the same bed. But he's more real than any person on the earth. He can be that to you. You can have such a consciousness of God that He is more real to you than someone you can actually touch and physically see. Uh, that your relationship with Him is so real that He's the first one you turn to and He is the one that you rely on and that is His plan for your life. I'm going to be doing some, uh, some um, ministry on marriage and, um, you know, I'm kind of excited about it. One of the things is that, you know, if you want to have a healthy marriage, then both the husband and the wife, 
if, our, if we look to Jesus, if our focus is Jesus and our direction is Jesus, we're both going the same direction and you'll find everything else can kind of work itself out because he will uh, work on your heart. You know, if I want to stay upset at my wife, the, the, the one time she did something bad, I want to stay upset at her, uh, you know, in 17 years of marriage. Well, Jesus doesn't let me do that. Why? Well, he's not going to have close fellowship with me if I'm not loving uh, my wife, or if I'm not loving my brother, my sister, if I'm not loving people, uh, I can't have intimate fellowship with him because he is love. And so our life in Christ should flow and God has intended and paid the price for it to flow out of an intimate relationship with him. And so faith comes by hearing Romans 10, 17 and hearing by the word of God. And so last week, I, I mentioned, let's turn over to uh, Mark chapter uh, Mark chapter 6. We'll look at Mark chapter 6 and uh, verse 5. Mark chapter 6 and verse 5. Let me turn over there. Praise the Lord. I thought we'd be done with this by, say, 7.30. Mark chapter 6, verse 5. I'll get there. I have it in my notes, but I like to just sometimes read it in my own Bible, see with my own uh, eyes. All right. And there he could do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few, upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. Now, uh, I made a statement last week, and I said, you know, uh, don't be shocked or something to this effect if, uh, by the way, everyone you lay hands on won't be healed. And uh, then I, I referenced Jesus in his own hometown right here. Well, let me give some context for this so we have a, we have a scriptural context. Uh, Mark chapter 5, and let's pick up in verse uh, 23. And, uh, no, let's do verse 20. And he departed, speaking of Jesus, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship to the other side, much people gathered to him, and he was near to the sea. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Verse 23. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you, or I'm, I'm begging of you, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Notice Jairus asked Jesus to come. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. In other words, they're all like pushing on him and following him and like, you know, trying to get close to him. Uh, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself, that virtue or power had gone out of him, literally it's the Greek word dynamite, it means explosive power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, you know, all the people pushing on him, and said, 
who touched my clothes? Right? So he's looking around. He's like, who touched my clothes? So he knew someone touched his clothes, but he didn't know who it was. And his disciples said to him, well, you can see the multitude thronging you, and how do you say who touched me? Like, a lot of people touched you, is what they're trying to say. And he looked around about. In other words, he's living from another realm. So the disciples are just looking at the natural, and they're like, Jesus, like, a ton of people just touched you. How, how do you say who touched me? You should say, like, how many people touched me? Everybody that raised, touched me, raise your hands. He's saying, no, no, no. There was a touch, a different kind of touch, because power went out. Power flowed out, right? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Um, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. In other words, she knew that she had touched the hem of the garment of Jesus, the healer. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. In other words, how does she get healed? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. You see, her faith caused the power of God to flow through Jesus without a conscious effort or act on the part of Jesus. Right? All right, verse 35. While he yet spoke, there came a uh, uh, from the ruler of the synagogue's house, a certain that said, Your daughter's dead. Why do you trouble the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Right? So what just happened? Okay. Um, the woman with the issue of blood, she, her faith made her whole. Jesus noted it actually communicated that to her, hey, your faith just made you whole, right? And then they come and say, hey, you know, there's no point because Jesus was going to Jairus' house. There's no point because the girl's dead. Jesus heard this, those words that were spoken. He heard those words. And when he heard those words, he said, be not afraid, only believe. Well, believe is the verb for faith. Right? It's the pistis and pistio, right? And so Jesus said, be not afraid, only pistis or pistio. I don't know which one it is, right? But it's the same Greek word, root word. And he suffered no man to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw uh, the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said to them, why do you make this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. And when he had put them out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and then uh, went there with him and entered in where the damsel or the girl was lying. And he took the damsel or the girl by the hand and said to her, Tabitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel or little girl, I say unto you, arise. So he got all these other people full of unbelief out of the room and he had already told, uh, you know, the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe, right? Because he knew when you get news like that, fear comes to grip you and to steal the blessing of the Lord and to steal the provision of the Lord and to steal the power of the Lord from the situation. So he said, whoa, whoa, first you got to deal with the fear. Be not afraid, only believe. 
Well, if you're looking to the Lord, uh, then by that very fact, you're not looking to the fear. So you're turning away from fear. You're turning to the Lord, which is an act of faith that is believing. All right. Verse 42. And straightway the damsel or the girl arose and walked, for she was the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great amazement. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it. And he commanded that something should be given her to eat. Chapter 6, verse 1. And he went out from there and came into his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, From where has this man these things? And what wisdom is this that uh, is given to him, that even such mighty works were wrought or done through his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph uh, and Judah? And of Judah and Simeon, and are not the, his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk, and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Well, you remember how faith comes. So then faith, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or you could say, so then faith comes by hearing and attentively listening. The second hearing means attentively listening uh, and hearing by the rhema of God. The Greek word is rhema, which is uh, the word that God makes real to you, or it's like spoken to you. Like, okay, God spoke to me. Well, somebody say, "Meg, God spoke to me. Well, that doesn't always mean, most of the time it actually doesn't mean you heard uh, a voice from heaven. It means the Lord showed you something. It came alive. He made it real to you. Okay, and so really we probably shouldn't say God spoke to me. We should say God made it real to me or witness to me or it rose there. And so uh, you ought to uh, put that into your vocabulary. And so um, he could there do no mighty work except he just laid his hands on a few uh, sick folk and he marveled at their unbelief. It's interesting, uh, Young's literal translation says, uh, and he wondered because of their unbelief. Well, uh, he couldn't do many mighty works. Well, it's real interesting. Uh, I pastor a, a church, and I'm many of uh, your pastor, if you're, if you're part of our church, but I know there's also other people watching. So we pastor a church uh, near Washington, D.C., about 10 miles west of the Lincoln Memorial, and um, is where we normally meet. And so um, in pastoring, it's a little different experience than uh, being an associate pastor, which I was for a few years before, before we, um, you know, the Lord had us plant this church. And that is when um, people honor you as a pastor, man, it's like you have such a flow from the Spirit of God, of words, of anointing, of power, and like whatever's needed in the situation, it seems to just be there when there is honor there. And so, uh, you know, I can kind of relate to what Jesus was saying, you know, and they said like they didn't have a lot of honor there because they were so familiar with him. At different times you have people uh, that can be too familiar or maybe not just too familiar. They just regard you after the natural. You know, uh, Paul said, you know, uh, we used to know Jesus after the flesh and regard him after the flesh, but we don't regard him this way any longer. 
And um, you ought not to regard uh, people, especially those in the fivefold ministry, just as a regular person because uh, you then don't expect to receive uh, through the Lord anything that He has placed in that office. Right, And so it's actually not so much about the person, it's really about the office because God works in authority. Remember the centurion? And um, the centurion told Jesus, he's like, you don't have to come to my house. My servant, I want you to heal my servant, but speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus, you know, it says here he marveled, but there he marveled because of, uh, he said, I've not seen such great faith, no, not in Israel. Because uh, great faith has a great understanding of authority. And so uh, that centurion said, you know, I, I'm a man under authority and I have those uh, under me that are under my, under my authority. And I say to this one, go and he goes, this one come and he comes. And so you speak the word only and my servant will be healed. In other words, I know you don't actually have to go there. If you just speak the word, you have authority and that authority will take care of the situation, Right. And so uh, he said he marveled because of their unbelief. Young's translation and actually a couple other ones uh, said he wondered because of their unbelief. Good News Bible said he was greatly surprised because the people did not have faith. Uh, Basic Bible says he was greatly surprised because they had no faith. And so, um, but it struck me the other day when I was meditating on this, uh, he wondered because of their unbelief. And I thought, I have wondered before. Because look at the context. So Jesus, he's, Jairus says, hey, come, come to my house, right? And so he's like, okay, so we start going. But then they get interrupted because all these people are there. The woman with the issue of blood comes. She received healing because of her faith. And then uh, Jesus uh, told uh, Jairus, hey, hey, don't fear, just believe. Stay in faith, keep trusting, right? Don't look at the, don't look at the natural evidence. Look at the unseen. Look with the eye of faith, right? And so Jairus did that, and Jesus was uh, able to minister to his daughter, and she rose up, right? Um, and so she came. And then right after that, so Jesus there is talking to the woman, uh, issue of blood, thy faith. Talk to Jairus, uh, have faith or just believe, only believe. And then next he comes in chapter 6, and uh, he comes to his own hometown, and uh, they he couldn't do any mighty works or mighty miracles uh, because of their unbelief. Uh, or, and he wondered about it. And he wondered, well, what would you wonder? Because you're ministering here. All of a sudden, you ministered to the woman with the issue of blood. Really? She just comes by faith and receives it. You're hardly aware of it. But all of a sudden, power went out. You're like, oh, somebody activated the power. And then uh, you minister to Jairus. And you see uh, the little girl raised up, the 12-year-old girl raised up. And then you come here, the same thing's not working. I'd make you kind of wonder. And you wonder because of their unbelief. And so I've experienced that type of thing, not to the same extent, but a similar extent, because all of a sudden you minister to one person, man, it's like, you know, power jumps out of your hands. Uh, you know, if you're laying hands on somebody or all of a sudden you're like, where did that come from? Those words, those were like amazing words. And you look down, you found out they came out of your mouth, you know, and, um, you know, and so, you know, you're, you're expecting to minister to people. And so you're in faith, believe in God, but sometimes it's like people just pull it right out of you. And so what happened? Well, he marveled because of their unbelief or that's the Greek word, like it's unpistious. 
you know? And so it's unfaith or they're unbelieving. And he wondered about that. And uh, because wherever else he could go, he seemed to, you know, he healed them all, all the time, so on and so forth. Now, sometimes uh, people will use this uh, for an excuse. Well, let me, before I, before I get there, uh, let, me, let me go one other thing. Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll come right back to Mark chapter 6. Hebrews 11, and then we'll go right back to Mark chapter 6. I hope you're enjoying this. I'm enjoying it. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, you know, chapter 12 doesn't read the same as chapter 11. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But without faith it's impossible to come to him. And so, uh, we are saved by faith, and we please God by faith. And really, anything you're going to get from God, you're going to get how? By faith. And Hebrews 11 is so uh, emphatic <laughs> concerning that. You see that, um, you know, th verse 3, by faith we understand. Verse 4, by faith we offer an offering or a more excellent sacrifice. Uh, verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated. Uh, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. Verse 7, by faith Noah prepared to the saving of his house. Uh, verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed and went out not knowing where he was going. Uh, he said, go out to a place I will show you. Uh, that takes faith, let me tell you. Uh, verse 9, uh, by faith they sojourn in the land of promise. Um, by faith, verse 11, uh, Sarah receives strength to um, conceive seed. Sarah rece receives strength to conceive seed. Um, let's see here. Verse 17, by faith Abraham offered Isaac. Um, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, uh, Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the children departing. Uh, verse 23, by faith, Moses. Verse 24, by faith, Moses refused to be called Pharaoh's son. So on and so forth. You get the point. Um, if you're going to do something for God, it's going to be by faith, right? And so um, we walk by faith, not by sight. And so um, faith is one of the greatest blessings you could ever have in, in your life. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, he had the day before cursed the fig tree. And uh, the disciples and he were walking back past it. And they're like, Jesus, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus didn't really bat an eye according to how I read the word. And he just said, have faith in God, right? Lay hold on the faithfulness of God. He's like, you think you saw something uh, out of, beyond the natural change just from words? That's called faith. Have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes, that's the same Greek word, pistios, pistio, I can't remember the tense, which, where the, 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 the language is there for the tense, but it's the same base word. It's the verb for, belief, for faith. Um, but believes those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe, you receive them, and you'll have them. And, you know, faith is a rest. We 
which believe, Hebrews chapter 4, have entered into rest. And so faith is a rest. Why? Because you're in relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And faith comes by hearing what God says. And if you, if you acknowledge that relationship, if you look into that relationship, all of a sudden it will become more and more real to you because you're, by doing that, you're yielding to the Spirit of God and he, you're then therefore allowing Him to speak to you. Like he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing or attentively listening to what God is saying to you, to what God has said to you. You can look at a scripture, especially in the New Testament, and say, Lord, what does that mean? Show me what that means. And you attentively listen and look into that and yield to the Lord. It'll come alive to you because the Spirit of God, He is the author of those words and he will make those words real to you. He'll make it in a way that uh, even somebody as ignorant as I could understand it, right? He, uh, he will make it real to you. And so um, some, sometimes uh, some uh, people, ministers in some cases, non-ministers in other cases, uh, they want to like uh, use uh, this as an excuse in Mark chapter 6, verse 5 to say like, uh, well, uh, if you didn't get healed, it's all your fault uh, because you're obviously in unbelief. Uh, well, sometimes that is the case uh, because obviously in his own hometown, they didn't have enough faith uh, to come to him to receive something. And uh, therefore, what happened? They didn't receive something. Uh, God is not a demon. He doesn't force you. Uh, God will invite you. He makes it available. Think about this. If God would force someone to get healed, then why wouldn't he force someone to be born again? Yet in Hebrews eleven six it says, they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God's not going to force you. Yet uh, in the epistles we read that he desires or his will is that all men or all mankind come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the will of God is very clear in Scripture that God wants every human being to be part of His family and to be born again and to be made new creatures in Christ Jesus. And He doesn't want, His will is that none should perish. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believeth in him, Mark chapter 6, verse 6, he marveled because of their unbelief. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have the life of God or everlasting life. And so it is by faith that we come into the family. And so uh, sometimes uh, people want to use that for an excuse. Well, yes, if you're going to minister to somebody uh, and they're not positioning themselves to receive by faith, if you can't get them to act in faith, don't expect that you're going to get them healed. So don't expect everybody you lay hands on will get healed. But don't use that as an excuse uh, to not act in faith yourself because why? Well, let me tell you something. A lot of people believe that they're acting in faith, but they're not. Uh, they're actually into works. And they think, well, if I confess this enough, if I say this enough, if I, if I uh, pray enough, uh, I'm going to add up credit with God. And once I get enough credit, boom! 
like, jackpot, hit the jackpot, now I'm healed, now I'm set free. Well, um, that's not really how it works. And so, uh, you know, I've ministered to a few people uh, that were in a similar position to that. And you know what you do? I just tell them, I say, you know what? You're, you're really working hard to believe, aren't you? Yeah, 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 I'm working real hard to believe. I said, just stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. Right? You ever seen that? Never mind. I only got up there. Okay. And so, um, <laughs> stop trying to believe. Okay? And you say, well, how, how, does that, how does that connect with this verse? Well, just hold on a second. Uh, faith or believing is not always uh, the picture that you might think it is. Right? But it is still believing. And so I say, you know what, do you believe that uh, I am born again? And they're like, well, well, yeah, I guess so. And I said, well, do you believe that I hear from God? Well, well, yeah. And I said, well, how about you just like kind of put your gear shifter in neutral there and I'll do the believing for you. You just believe that I'm going to hear from God and then the healing power of God's going to come on you. And you know what? I think every time I've done that with somebody, uh, they have received their healing. And somebody said, they received their healing on your faith. No, they did not. They received their healing because they stopped getting into works and they believed in my faith in God. They still believed in God. Look at, look at the people uh, that he healed of people with a few minor ailments. Why is that? Because they had uh, faith for little things. And, and so they allowed that to happen. But yeah, you know, as a minister or a believer that you're ministering to somebody, you're looking to the Lord. And, you know, you don't look to the person because, you know, uh, God is a God of mercy. He's a God of love. And, um, you know, if you know too much about the person, it can make it a little challenging for you to stand in faith. You ought not to look at the person. You look to the Lord and see what he says. You know, uh, one of the reasons people don't get healed, uh, according to Jesus, is um, in uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Uh, let's see here, 22, 23, 24, verse 25, uh, that says, um, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. Well, um, unbelief or unforgiveness rather will hinder your faith and it can stop the flow of the power of God into your life. And I think I need like about five sessions to really do this justice. Okay. Uh, so um, have faith in God. And so Jesus, what he did when he ministered is he said, everything you hear me saying and see me doing, it's not from me. The audio did not go out. I'm pausing for effect. Okay. Everything you saw me do and heard me say, I got it from my father. Whatever I hear him say and see him do, that's what I say and do. Right. So this is how Jesus ministered. So Jesus didn't just do what he wanted to do. And Jesus, if any of us could say, well, like, okay, we've been recreated. Look at Jesus. Was he perfect or was he not perfect? So if we kind of go off what I call like a cowboy and say like, well, I'm born again. I've been recreated in Christ, so I'll heal anybody I want to heal, do anything I want to do because I got the life of God living on the inside of me. I got the life of God flowing out of me. That is not living by faith because faith is totally reliant upon what God has said and now faith is the substance. So what God is saying right now, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
And so we're made in the likeness and the image of God, but our life of faith is connected to our relationship with Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror through him. I am the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. In other words, don't, don't try to live the in Christ realities apart from your union with Christ. Like, like the, all of a sudden, uh, God gave you all this stuff. Now he's going to go away and you do whatever you want to do. And then when he comes back, he'll see how you're doing. Well, no. Why would he give you the Holy Spirit? He said, it's better for you to go, but they, I go away because if I don't go, I can't send the comforter or the helper or the strengthener or the emboldener, which is my spirit. But he gave us the spirit, his spirit, to help us, to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us so that we can hear his voice. Uh, Jesus actually said, the spirit of reality, he will take the things of mine and show it unto you or declare it unto you. So whatever he hears, and he'll not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that he will speak. And so he hears the Father, he hears the Son, and he transmits it to you and to me. And Oh, I hit the mic. Okay, and so he, if you're living the life of a believer apart from that fellowship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ, uh, you're not living the way God intended. And so even Jesus himself, couldn't just do whatever he wanted to do. You know, um, unbelief can stop and will stop you from receiving from God and will stop other people from receiving from God. But unbelief doesn't mean like somebody has to just, you know, all of a sudden you're not uh, believing God if you can't believe for complete healing on your own. No, there's a body of Christ. And I'm confident if you walk in the love of God, and the love of God will never force someone to do anything. You can't force somebody to be healed. You can't force somebody to have to take this or have to take that. God, that's not the nature of God. If you're forcing somebody to do something, uh, you might check up how close you're walking with the enemy because he masquerades like an angel of light. It's interesting that even in the word of God, uh, it, it still just baffles my mind that Jesus said, in the, I think it's the book of Revelation, you know, People came to him and said, Lord, look, we healed in your name. We did miracles in your name. And he said, away from me, I never knew you. And you think, how in the world is that possible? Well, I don't know how that's possible, except for the fact of, uh, you know, the devil can do some miracles, by the way. And I'm not saying that people believe that they're the devil, anything like that. But what I'm saying is, I want to be as far away from that as possible so that my works that I do for him are birthed out of my intimacy with him because Jesus didn't say um, you didn't do works even in my name in other words with my authority he said I never knew you I was never intimate with you and so uh, our life and especially when we're going to help other people if you're going to help other people you got to get it from the Lord and you need to have fresh manna in other words what the Lord is saying right then and right there and, um, you know, he marveled because of their unbelief. And so unbelief uh, is powerful. And somebody said, well, you know, the power of God is more powerful than unbelief. Well, I don't think you can even like uh, equate those two things because, you know, yeah, the power of God, he's powerful enough to do just about anything because he is all powerful. So he has all power. But 
he has bound himself to his word, he said. And so he's not going to tell a lie. He will never lie. Does he have the power to lie? You know, does he have enough power to lie? I would beg to differ. No, he really doesn't have power to lie because he is truth and he is love and truth and love would not lie. So if he ever lied, then he'd cease to be who he is. And, you know, the scripture bears that out. Well, same thing, like, is he just going to force uh, someone who's in unbelief to just take something that they don't want and they're resisting it? No, because he is love and then he ceased to be who he is. So you say, like, he has power to do that. Well, I kind of know what you mean when you say that he has power because God is all powerful. I get it. But the thing about it is he is love and love will never force you. Love will always invite you. And so I hope maybe I answered some questions for you there. Um, and, uh, you know, people use uh, different things for excuse and say, well, like, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, you'll get a lot more people healed if you stop just making excuses. Well, it's because of your unbelief. No, if someone comes and they want to receive something from the Lord, you can take and you can m- almost, almost all the time, you can find uh, words from the Lord, uh, from the scriptures that will give them the faith that they need to act, to be able to receive. And that's what we're all about. And, um, you know, I just encourage you, uh, live your life by the word because uh, the other things will fail, other things will fade away, other things will change, but his word will never change and his word will never fail. And if you act upon the word, he watches his word to perform it, right? And so if I could get somebody to act uh, and not act in faith, that means that, um, or I could get them healed without them operating in faith. Boy, I better get the word into them really quick because I don't want to be, oh, I'm doing it again. I don't want to be pleasing to God and have them be displeasing to God. How selfish is that? I want them to be pleasing to God. I want you to be pleasing to God. I want to be pleasing to God. Well, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so um, our goal is to get everyone acting in faith because that's where the blessing of God is. And really that's where real freedom is. You talk, you know, right now in the world, it's a little bit uh, bumpy, you know, so to speak. There's a lot going on, a lot of thoughts coming. And if you get someone just to cast their cares on the Lord and trust in him, have faith in him, they'll be set free. You know, a, a lot, like Jesus was saying, you got all these cares, you know, and it's not adding something to your life. It's really taking something away. And if you can get people just to turn to trust in God, you know, like, okay, well, let's just, you maybe can't trust in God for that. All right, let's trust God for this. How about just this little bit? Let's just trust the Lord that he gets you a new job. Let's just trust the Lord that he does this or does that, right? So that he, your faith is in him and you're not kind of putting the block, you know, the stops on because you can stop the power of God uh, in your life. And again, I say, there's a lot more to this um, that we could talk about, but I just want to let you know, um, we love people uh, and we try to love people the way that Jesus loves people. And that comes from our relationship with him. We love because he first loved us. We've received that love. And so uh, when you're helping other people out, just love on them uh, with the love of God and the love of God. Uh, you know, it'll cause you to like put away uh, 
your own areas of pride and different things like that and just say, or maybe what you think you know, Paul said, I've determined among men to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so sometimes we know too much, you know. Uh, there's a quote from a, a minister, I love this quote on ministry, it's my favorite ministry quote, it said, the, the most dangerous thing about ministry is you can learn how to do it. Or if you learn how to do it, something to that extent. It's very dangerous. Why? Because you stop relying upon the Lord. So our faith life is a life that is always relying upon God. That we're always looking to Him. That we're always feeding on His Word. That we're always getting in His presence. We're always like, what? He has something fresh every day. It's, it's like the best relationship you could ever have is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're watching tonight and you don't have that relationship, this is real. And as I said earlier, it can be more real. And if you're doing it right, it is more real than your relationship with any person in the flesh. That Because why? You're recreated. The real you comes in fellowship with the real God. And there is real life in that relationship. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to invite you tonight. You can receive Him tonight. And the moment you receive Him, your entire life will be changed forever. In fact, you'll be on your way to heaven. You'll be living for the Lord. And you will not be defeated by circumstances or thoughts or anything else that comes. Things may come and things may go, but your stability and your anchor goes much deeper than the things of the flesh. It goes into the very presence of God, and in the very presence of God, there is life that is everlasting. It's like the fountain of youth, and that fountain of youth affects your entire being. And so, if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, Romans chapter 10 says, If you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. That's, it's just that simple. You believe in your heart and say it with your mouth. Your head doesn't have to understand everything, but if the Holy Spirit is moving upon you now and you know He's moving upon you, I want to invite you. Don't wait. Uh, don't push Him away. Uh, don't close off to Him. Yield to Him. You know deep down on the inside. Examine your heart right now. Look to your heart right now. Am I right with God? Do I need to make a change? You might say, well, I know I need to make a change, but i got to clean up first. No, no, no. Jesus will clean you up. You, you can't clean yourself up good enough. You just turn in your heart to the Lord and just do it by, by uh, repeating this after me and believing in your heart. Say, oh God, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe he took my sins and my pattern of sinning on the cross and that he rose again on the third day and that he's right now seated with you in heavenly places. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, that I'm now part of your family that I am born again and my life is forever changed. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, 
Welcome to the family. Uh, best decision you will ever make or that you could ever make. And, uh, you know, we don't want you to live the Christian life alone. Please let us know that you prayed and you made this decision. And because this decision changed you on the inside. Uh, things are going to change for you. Uh, opportunities are going to open up. Your desires uh, are going to change. You'll find uh, different things, but you got to start learning how to live out of the inside. And we want to uh, be able to pray for you, and we want to be able to get some materials into your hand, make sure you can be, uh, come part of a good, vibrant, uh, Bible-believing church that loves the Holy Spirit and, and uh, communes with the Lord. So email us. Uh, here, I'm going to give you the email address. It's info, I-N-F-O, at anchordc.org.